from Seattle, Washington, I'm Zach Jabal, and this is a Vinepair podcast conversation. We're bringing you these episodes in between our regular podcasts so that we can explore a range of issues and stories in the drinks world. And today I'm speaking with Aaron Thorpe. He's the co-founder of Super Gay Spirits. Aaron, thank you so much for your time. It's a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Glad to have you on. So let's start with just a little bit of uh, backstory here. So maybe first uh, talk a little bit about yourself um, and then kind of how you came to this um, role of um, spirits manufacturer. Absolutely. Um, I have a background in uh, wine and spirits buying in New York City. I started kind of working my way just as a server in one of the restaurants while I was going to school at uh, Columbia and worked my way up to the wine director, fell in love with hospitality and kind of worked through a few different wine director jobs in the city, starting at Raoul's, which is like a maybe the quintessential French bistro in, in New York. And then at the Standard Hotel, became the wine director there. And then most recently um, opened up Le Cuckoo as the beverage director and am presently the beverage director for um, Happy Cooking Hospitality in the West Village. I got to say, as a, just a sidebar, uh, Le Cuckoo is one of the places that uh, was uh, where I was. I was on a, actually, I think on my honeymoon with my wife and we dined there. And it was one of the first places I'd been where I really like looked at the wine list and was like, this is very weirdly close to the wine list I would create if it were my job, which is very cool. Oh, that's, that was a fun that's such a compliment because that was the wine list that yeah. I created. <laughs> yes, yes. So I, I, I wanted to pay the compliment to the person who did it. I, and this was my fair. opportunity. <laughs> Amazing. Thanks. Yeah. That, is a, that restaurant is a, has a special place in my heart. And then, and then so from what, where kind of along those lines did it become uh, in conjunction, I want to have this other project. I mean, I've always done something else. Like I've always like had a focus and then wanted to do something else. I, for, I failed to mention that when I was at the Standard Hotel, I opened up, my partner and I at the time opened up a wine shop in the East Village, a small kind of neighborhood-based wine shop called Wine Shop. It was a very creative, <laughs> creative name. Um, <laughs> yeah, what was, that, what was the brainstorm like on that one? Well, it was, it was the first iteration of what we wanted to do, was, which is kind of like create a series of small shops that were kind of like a throwback to old New York. Um, like gotcha. one, one was the, the first of which was wine shop, but we never got that far. So, but it was a lovely experience. It was a great store. We had a lot of fun doing it, but to, to answer your question, um, I've always done something else. I've always had something else in my kind of back pocket when I, when I'm working. So, um, while I was at, I guess it was like, as I was kind of, um, I had some health kind of things going on. I had back surgery after Le Cuckoo. And while I was recovering from that, just started kind of like in, in the process of having that time to kind of like think about the world and what was going on politically, which was just after uh, Trump was elected, uh, just was kind of thinking about like some of the things that were going on and wanted to uh, do something that was, uh, I don't know, um, wanted to, to create something that was a, a product that could maybe uh, have a started a different conversation than what was happening uh, in the world. So this so started thinking about that and kind of was in the process of thinking about how do we um, kind of react. It was a, it, this, it was a reaction to what was happening in the world. And so this was born out of that. I, I can talk more about that if that makes sense now. Yeah, I think so. Well, I, I guess I wanted to sort of also kind of get to a, uh, a question about sort of it's, it's my sense, um, but I'd love to have your, your thoughts on this, that, you know, part of that, that the spirits production and, and at the moment, just um, as far as I'm, uh, aware just a, just a vodka but with other products maybe uh, down, coming on down the road but that the the 
actual like you know manufacture and sale of the spirits is only a part of what you're hoping to do can you kind of talk about what the broader goal or mission is behind super gay yeah i mean again it 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 was to create a space for something for in the craft spirits industry one a space for something that was overtly kind of flagrantly queer um but also uh had the you know provided a sense of joy to kind of like what i felt at least in working in, in the beverage industry of new york city was a, a kind of a, a selection of uh, an industry that was maybe lacking a little bit of joy and to have fun doing it. I've seen a lot of products that are niche and, and super fun, but not quality. And a lot of qual- products that are really amazing quality, quality, but not so fun. And to me, this, I wanted to bridge the gap between those two things. Gotcha. And so let's talk a little bit about the vodka itself. So can you kind of just give our listeners a sense of, you know, let's start with kind of just like there's some unique pieces to how it's what, what you're the, the, you know, the um, components you're sourcing and how it's made. Do you want to just kind of talk a little bit about the actual production method? And then we can talk a little bit about the marketing of it. Yeah. So this is a hundred percent corn. It's organically farmed corn. We source from Missouri and from upstate and uh, we are, we are made in just outside of Port Chester, which is about an hour North of New York city. Um, it is, uh, for me, the reason why we chose corn was because for me, I mean, we're talking about a product that is inherently, uh, it's not the most exciting spirit and I'm not going to, I'm not going to apologize for saying that (laughs) it is the product that is, it's a spirit that's meant to be neutral or historically at least meant to be neutral with little flavor and little odor. And for me, what that left to play with was about texture. And I think in cocktails, that's one of the most important things, or when we're drinking, that's one of the most important things that oftentimes is forgotten. So we chose corn because of the texture. For me, when corn is distilled, it has a waxy component to it. And so that was one of the kind of like pieces that we wanted to really kind of focus on is how do we make a really textural, beautiful product? And we started with corn to do that. And the other way to kind of talk about that was the filtration methods and how do you filter something? And we have kind of experimented with a number of different filtration like filters. And we found that this activated charcoal coconut husk filter was the best to kind of be additive to that textural component to this, which is really what we wanted to play with. We wanted to create a product that was relatively neutral and had a beautiful, beautiful texture. So that's where we ended up. So gotcha. And and I'm curious, you know, given what you said a moment ago about the sort of idea that, you know, vodka is inherently sort of intended to be neutral, you know, nominally kind of odorless and flavorless in a sense. And that Again, this is an uh, this is just an impression I have. Not, I don't think it's a, a totally researched position. That you know, in in the vodka category, I, I think since the sort of craft, the initial kind of craft distilling boom early on, I think it's been a, an interesting challenge for people trying to really market craft vodka because it doesn't have the. It's harder to distinguish, I think, than it is with you know a gin or or whiskey or things in that. Uh, realm. So what is the, what is the approach when you're, when you're trying to, to sell this product? Cause obviously, you know, you, you want to do that. How do you kind of, how do you kind of talk to people about it? Is it all about the texture? Is it about the production method? Is it about the, the fun, all those things? Like what goes into the story? I think, yeah, there's, there are a few kind of like dis- disparate pieces of this, right? The quality of the product, I think is one that's first and foremost, if the product sucks, we're not going to sell it. So that's part of it. And um, that's the first piece of it. The, the brand itself, I think, is fun to talk about. It's a brand that is 
that, like I said before, kind of is focused on bringing joy to the craft spirits market and gives back to the community out of which we're born in or born out of. So I think that's a piece that people really gravitate or have gravitated towards. The branding itself, I think, lends itself to just be, if you've seen the bottle, it is kind of like a joyful, it, it, the, the bottle, the label has expresses joy, at least in my opinion. So I think those are some pieces um, that we have been really relatively successful in kind of conveying to, to people that are tasting it. And you guys launched just over the, the spirit uh, just over a year ago, right? We we launched the week before the shutdown in New York City, <laughs> which was, in my opinion, it, it, don't ever do that to, to anybody listening. Don't ever. <laughs> not that you can predict when a pandemic's going to happen, but that's not the smartest way to do this. Yeah, I can't imagine that was the, what you, you the rollout you had envisioned. So what did I that mean? What did you what did you have to do? Kind of uh, when looking at a reality that at least for months bars were essentially shut down, or you know maybe they were doing some amount of well, even I think in New York, it took a long time for like takeout and to go cocktails to be to be permitted. So, so what did you do? How did you how did you handle that period? Um, honestly, like we, I panicked. <laughs> I panicked. Okay. Um, you know, my background is in on premise relationships, with, which are bars and restaurants, and those are the people that we had focused on. Like I was calling people that I knew to share this product with them, and I was super excited about doing so. But realizing very quickly that every, all of all of us were shut down was a big realization for us. And the only method that we could, or the only kind of avenue for sales for us, at least in New York, which is where we launched in New York City, were retail stores. And I have to give props to all of the retail retailers that supported us because they made it happen for us. Oh, I was just going to ask, are, are, a question that I have is, is you know, generally in that, in that realm, do retail stores in New York City is there a lot of desire for kind of local or, or, you know, New York state based craft spirits? I mean, I think, um, you know, that's a, that's a conversation that I've had with producers in other places where sometimes it can be hard to get shelf space. Uh, you know, and obviously New York has a, a range of different kinds of liquor stores, but, but is it, was it real? I mean, not easy, obviously none of this is easy, but were they open to the idea? Hey, here's a local spirit that, that we think our, our, our clients or our guests will be interested in. Yeah. Um, one thousand percent. I think that you know, particularly in this category, um, in in the category of vodka, we, what I found is retailers were looking for something that had excitement and that had and a, and a brand that had energy. And if the price was right, and if they could, if it had a story behind it, they would much rather have something like this on their shelves than or sell something like this from their shelves than they would a bottle of Tito's if the price is comparative. Oh, I was just going to ask. You know that that you, you mentioned the you know the sort of the behemoth in the vodka space these days like that that was one i was gonna kind of ask you is just like you know not that you're going after any one particular kind of, or other you know sort of brand loyal vodka drinker but is that the the place where you've seen hey you know you like you know presumably people who like tito's are drawn to part of the like hey it's you know handcrafted whatever the heck that actually means um you know it feels a little bit maybe just american as opposed to you know russian or french or swedish or whatever is that where you're seeing like some, some buy-in or is it just, Hey, you know, all vodka drinkers are, you know, maybe interested in a product that has, um, you know, some, as you said, some joy to it, more local, et cetera. Yeah. I mean, I think that, I think people are, are uh, people are creatures of habit and you know, they're, they, we will never, <laughs> we will never be Tito's. We will never like, um, I don't think we'll take any business away from Tito's. It would be amazing if we did, but, but um, I think people like order what, what is, what they 
and this is my experience in both wine and in, in spirits, I think people order, order what they're comfortable with or they buy purchase what they are comfortable in purchasing. And they oftentimes, particularly when money is tight, don't want to take risks on things. And for us, this was that was an amazing part of this process because I I would say that you know when we launched in COVID, I was walking, I was terrified, wanted to take any trains or cabs, but also was terrified that I wasn't going to be able to sell this product. So I was walking over each of the three bridges, probably walked over them twenty times to go to Brooklyn to drop bottles off to people. And I'll say that every time that I dropped a bottle off, some every I would say ninety five percent of the time that I dropped a bottle off to people, they purchased it. A, a shop purchased it. For me, that wasn't the biggest kind of thing because I do think it's a it's fun packaging and all of the things that we've already spoken about. To me the question was whether or not they were going to be ordered. And seeming they seemingly did and they still are. And so that was the real test of whether or not this had kind of like viability in the market for us. And now that we're in this place where, you know, I think uh nationwide, certainly in, in New York and maybe some of the other markets you're you're in or hoping to be in, you know, we are seeing a little bit more return of on premise consumption. You know, how how does it how is it working for you in trying to kind of tap back into those connections are, are again, this maybe is a, every restaurant and bar is going to be a little different, but are, is there still a sense from those places that they might be open to a new product or are so many operators and, and beverage directors, et cetera, just like, we just, we can't, we have to, you know, we can't take any chances right now. Um, to, to be completely transparent, it's a mixed bag. Like there are still people that are, I mean, a lot of restaurants are not open. A lot of the, the bars that we kind of thought that we would align ourselves with are not, are still not open yet. And that just has to do with regulation based on like, what is, what, what percentage of occupancy restaurants can open up and if bars can actually meet the regulations that the state has provided to open up. Um, but with that being said, we do have some, we are slowly kind of moving more into on-premise uh, relationships now, which is great. Um, we have some kind of distributor. We're formally moving to a distributor. We were, kind of like working with the logistics center to, to, for distribution now. And so we have, we, we have some movement at least. Uh, well, that's great. And I'm wondering, you know, um, a, a piece of this that I'm curious about as well is, you know, it, it seems like, and, and from your sort of discussion about the, at the beginning, kind of the genesis of this whole idea that, that, you know, giving back to, to various communities that, that you belong to is important. So is that something that, that happens through super gay? It is. Yeah. That, that is actually the, kind of the the way that it was brought about is like, how do we affect change based on our purchasing power? And like, what did this idea of kind of like conscious consumerism, like how do you create a brand that actually gives back to the population people that, that it was born from or, and, or the allies that support it. And for us, that was the most, for me, that was the most important part of this product project is I really want to create something that has a interesting perspective that is unapologetic about its presence and gives back to people. And so, yes, we give back a portion of proceeds to the queer community, but also the, our allies. So it's not specifically queer community. For instance, in 2020, we had initially kind of like had some ideas of the organizations that we wanted to align ourselves with for that year. But with the pandemic, we pulled all, we were like, whoa, we, this does not make sense for us to do. And uh, partnered with, or partnering with Roar New York to give back to uh, restaurant workers that have been displaced or, or unemployed. So for us, that was like the most important part of it. And we'll still do that for 2021, just because it's still a really, really significant amount of part of the population, at least in New York City. So what other, besides the vodka, what else do you have in the works? So we're starting with vodka. That's the kind of the easiest access point, if not the most saturated, you know, kind of point. It was the easiest for us to afford to be able to do. 
Um, we have we will be making creating a gin as well, which is hopefully coming at the end of 2021. And then we're working with a producer or with a uh, a producer in Mexico to either we're either thinking of agave. It'll be an agave distillate, but either mezcal or tequila. So we'll have those three kind of like lines for uh, distillates that we're going to be making. Excellent. And with the gin, is that, is the idea that it's going to be that same 100% corn base to kind of give that same textural note? Or are you looking at a different base? I mean, the, obviously with gin, I think you're talking about something maybe a little bit different. I do think texture plays a part of it, but I think the aromatic profile is is takes much more, is kind of more front and center with that. Um, for me, the most important part of a gin is de- depends. It depends on the kind of w- what is the intention for the gin. If it is a gin that's supposed to be um, mixed into cocktails, then obviously you want to have something that's a little bit more kind of straightforward in terms of its expression. If it's a gin that's meant to be um, a little bit have, have a uh, its own kind of voice in the market, then some maybe more interesting um, aromatic components will will. will employed in, in the making of it but for me gin is about aromatics and i think that we'll probably still use the same base although we haven't started trials with or we haven't started kind of experimenting with with this base and the aromatic profile that we're thinking about but we're excited about doing that very cool and as far as more more sort of access for people where where is the vodka currently available um either you know in new york state or or outside of new york state yeah, I mean it's it's available in a number of retail stores right now in throughout Brooklyn and Manhattan. Um, there's a few upstate in Hudson that are selling it, um, and we're moving. Like I said, mentioned this before, but we're we've been picked up with Skernick, so we'll be in New Jersey and Connecticut, Pennsylvania, California with Skernick wines. Cool. So we'll be out there, and then we're uh, we have a distributor in New Orleans that we'll be moving to in the next few weeks. And I guess my, my last kind of question on this in this vein is, um, you know, as someone who lived in New York for a little while, but not a long time, I feel like um, maybe this is a little shifting, but is there a different, it, is New York City really, and that whether it's the, you know, uh, on-premise scene or, or off-premise, is there a lot more kind of excitement about what might be going on upstate? It always felt to me like it was, you know, I mean, maybe culturally there was a little bit of a looking down upon um, but, but, you know, is there, is it, is it almost a selling point that you're, you're not New York city based? Um, I, th- interesting question. Um, I think that we, that you're talking about the looking down upon from New York city to New York. To yes, New York. exactly. Yeah. Well, maybe the other way too, but I, I living in New York city, that was, that was the side of it I saw. I was going to say, I think upstate might look down on New York, <laughs> New York city, but, um, it's vice versa for us, for me, at least personally, I believe that probably at least being in the restaurant industry that, people believe that the best produce and the best kind of water sources come from upstate New York. And okay. so when you're talking about food and wine and the, the products that could make a spirit, I think it is, uh, we believe that that, that kind of notion that uh, upstate produces some of the purest kind of water and uh, products um, is most people believe that um, what, as to like what any kind of like looking down upon for any other reason, I, I don't, can't speak intelligently about that, but but for food or, or any kind of produce or things like that, I think that that is what I believe at least. And anything else that uh, you want our listeners to know about uh, Super Gay Spirits or kind of what you're what you're up to? Or did I miss anything? We, you know, listen. This is a like I, like I said before, it's a product that's meant to bring joy to people, and I think it's easy for us to be kind of like pushed into a queer community, to a queer category, or to like a gay spirit or something like that. But it really is just a product that's meant to be 
to be joyful and to be to bring people together. And that's like the most important part of it for us. I can't believe I didn't ask this question before. I, I really should have, uh, but we can end with this, which is great. What are like three ways that you recommend enjoying the spirit, like cocktails or other forms? Like a martini is the way to go. Like I've had, I've shared this with my friends who are like, listen, Aaron, I don't, I don't drink vodka. And I was like, let me just make you a martini and they'll have it. And they are like, this is literally the best martini that I've ever tasted. And that texture really plays into that. So I think that, um, I think in cocktails, it's great. And also if you're like, I know people drink vodka on the rocks, but it's like really lovely just on the rocks with a, like a lemon twist. It's like very refreshing and, and, and delicious. Excellent. Well, Aaron, thank you so much for your time. Um, I know you launched in a very, very tumultuous uh, year, but maybe years two and beyond will be a little calmer. And uh, and yeah, best of luck moving forward as you uh, as you expand the, the product line and the reach. Zach, thank you so much for having me. It's been a real pleasure. Thanks so much for listening to the Vine Pair Podcast. If you love this show as much as we love making it, then please leave us a rating or review on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever it is you get your podcast. It really helps everyone else discover the show. Now for the credits. VinePair is produced and recorded in New York City and Seattle, Washington by myself and Zach Jabal, who does all the editing and loves to get the credit. Also, I would love to give a special shout out to my VinePair co-founder, Josh Mallon, for helping me make all this possible. And also to Keith Beavers, VinePair Tasting Director, who is additionally a producer on this show. I also want to, of course, thank every other member of the VinePair team who are instrumental in all of the ideas that go into making the show every week. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you again.